All right, everybody, welcome. We are back in full effect. Myself, Stish, and as always, my sparring partner, Quinny. It is the End Product Podcast, episode number 42. Uh, so End Product has, uh, has outlived me now, which is fantastic. Quinny, how has your week been? We already kind of know some of us who, who do like to stalk you on uh, SoRare Data know you've uh, you've had a decent bit of end products to report back this week so uh let's kick off with that you had a great game week last week uh you filled your pockets full of ethereum how are you feeling i'm buzzing it walking on sunshine and all that good stuff as they say and um, i did do a stream for it so if anyone wants to go and like live through the fun and all that good stuff obviously feel free to check that out on the channel but it was uh, i mean brilliant brilliant amount of end products um last week it was one of those, get, you know, like, with, with, <clears throat> I think every story manager gets excited going into the weekend of what might be and stuff. And I'm in the fortunate enough position where, you know, like, I've been to a few games this season through Soria. And the weekend was one of them. And, like, I don't know. It, I, I feel I, I feel kind of extra happy about all this stuff because it's, it's not just winning and, like, money and stuff like that, right? But it's, like, the fruits of the labor. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like, and like I said in the stream, like, that victory finishing third, Within the first 13 minutes of that Celtic game, my big, unique two super rares of mine had all got decisives in the first 13 minutes of the game. It was just, <laughs> you know, beyond. And bear in mind, my unique is probably on to score three or four goals a season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then for all that to happen, culminate together, the goalkeeper saved a penalty in Italy and blah, 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 everything else that happened over the weekend. It was just, but again, like the fun bit that's so rare is laying out the master plan. How are we going to go about getting this end product? What cards am I going to pick? What division am I going to target? It's so like it's it's fun and amazing for all the all the things that come, but it's also that gratification of the plan is working yeah. or the plan has worked, you know, where it's you know, self-gratification in that respect that is intangible. I love the fact that uh that you hit the big decisives early in the game week as well, like or early in the, the fixture. That is always nice when you know, you've got that kind of base score. And then it's about like, what more can we add to that? You've got like 75 minutes left in the game just to add that AA and build up and hopefully nick a couple more decisive, especially, you know, especially with your teams, Celtic, you're following your side, you're watching the game, you're willing them, willing them on as well. But to enter, to enter the first sort of 15, 20 minutes of the game uh, with, with a few decisives, that is massive, isn't it? I think it just gets more and more exciting as the, as the game goes on, then you're just looking at constantly at your phone. I don't know if you're anything like me, but yeah, constantly when, when my game week's going well, my phone battery is just like is going down rapidly because my hand is just glued, constantly refreshing back and forth from so rare data, so rare, uh, looking at FOP mob, looking at flash score, trying to figure out who's in the lineup. Oh, it's, yeah, it just kind of takes that layer of stress off when your big team hits and, uh, and yours sure. definitely hit. Hitting podium, uh, I saw you. Had, you was unlucky, weren't you? Because you were in the uh, in the star super rare uh, section right up until the last few fixtures of the game week as well. So, were you sweating on that? Or were you were you kind of happy that you were going to bag something decent? It was just a couple of players you had to keep an eye on. Then I guess the sweat when it got to like Sunday, uh, when it got to so the sweat really involved going through PSG on Sunday which was fun, actually. I quite enjoyed watching PSG, tracking the leaderboard and kind of willing Neymar's injury to happen. And then <laughs> uh, Mbappe uh, got booked and I was willing VAR to try and make it into a red. That didn't quite happen. And then also Mbappe went on to score the equaliser and then eventually PSG won. Um, 
But that was that was fun in itself. And then at that point, I'm like, hey, do you know what? Been beat by a bigger, more expensive team. Maeda didn't get a decisive, so I did have a bum in my team. I had a guy on forty it's points, right, yeah. including multiplier. With you know what I mean? Players. So like, oh, uh-huh. You know, so like, you've got to accept that I didn't have a perfect hand in that sense. I had a really good one. Um, and then I didn't really think about it much until like Monday nights. I knew Benfica played Monday night and they were at home in a decent enough fixture. And so I knew that there's no point now. Just wait till Monday night because if, if someone's going to turn up, it could be Benfica. Um, and then that kind of went and passed. But it ended up being a team in Argentina. They kicked off at one o'clock in the morning, San Lorenzo. They had a midfielder that scored 58 points and it made the guy with him become number one and no, put Mbappe and Messi at number two, me at number three. Um because I say I had a guy with we include multiplier forty four, and this guy get before multiplier fifty eight. So sometimes it's like your it's your your weakest link that makes you how strong the chain is. You know, it goes to show where that differential can actually come in. You know, a, a player who does have an Mbappe and a Neymar in his team, but also has some kid playing in the San Lorenzo, and it's like that person ended up making the difference for them. Um, that bit of differential, I can't imagine too many other managers in that division had that player in their team either. So. Yeah, you got got to love a bit of that. Um, you mentioned the PSG game. I was there. I was there with the Sore community. We had a bunch of us out there, played in a, a little five-a-side tournament on Saturday against some of the um, Parisian Sore community. They had a good couple of players in their team. Uh, we also played against a, a team made up of Sore staff and Sore Data had a team out there as well. So Team UK, myself, Harry Trades, Haybar, Simply Alex, uh, Josh Forth, and then we had Flair in goal. He was a good goalkeeper. He was kind of like a like we had like it was like the Peter Crouch in goal. Actually, he was so big. He done he done a good oh, really? job for. Us. Uh, my legs weren't quite up to it. I haven't played any five aside for probably over ten years, probably closer to fifteen years since I last played any five aside. So uh, there's no hiding in five aside, and uh, I had to hide myself using that roll-on, roll-off sub every few minutes. <laughs> so I did all right. I got a few decisives, a few a few, uh, a few, few assists, no goals from me. But then I did make up for it by winning the uh, the crossbar challenge afterwards. I think I got someone in the chat, Ian Sorare, who also actually, big up Ian Sorare, has just uh, used their prime uh, sub to give us a little sub- subscribe on Twitch. If you're just listening now on the podcast, we do this live on Twitch as well. So keep an eye on myself, Quinny, and M Product Pod on Twitter. Um, and you can get involved live. We tend to do it like Wednesday, Thursday, uh, British time, like in the afternoon. So uh, out to everyone in the chat. Big up Ian Sore. Thank you so much for the sub. And he's asking how many uh, decisive actions did I get? I think I got about, I would hazard a guess at like three or four. Um, I pro- Yeah, uh, three or four. Probably had a few last... Uh, last man tackles though, because I kind of position myself as a, a defensive pivot. Um, nice, yeah. We've ever raised a Ruddock. Yeah, I was. I, I, I <laughs> a bit, yeah, a little bit of a cleaner player than uh, Razor. I, I was a bit more like Kante, who was just holding. <laughs> <my back. laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've, I've got a little video stitched together. I'll bang it up on um, well, Instagram and um, TikTok at some stage. Uh, and there's a little highlight on there that, that I got managed to get off of the website. They, they did have some of the goals up there. Um, so, yeah, all in all, it was great. And then we got to go to the PSG game and had the most unreal experience in terms of like hospitality. I've never seen anything like it at football. Um, it was actually closer to like going to like horse racing in the VIP from my experience. It was 
absolutely incredible. And I've, I've got I've got some video footage of that. But we had like a kind of little suite inside the uh, inside the stadium, and then like a lot of big brands had their own suites. So they had like you know Nike nice. and um, McDonald's and all these big brands. You know Qatar Airways, Airways and uh, Accor and all these big brands had their own little sort of like little kind of areas but it's away from the pitch so you kind of get catered for and you walk down to the pitch and you've got your kind of padded seat with the logos embossed on them and stuff and little screen in front of you so you can watch the replays it was like never had that football before um no. but yeah and we weren't in like a box we were literally sat in an area which was great so that was great but what was even better was like you said the uh the game itself seeing a couple of goals from Mbappe, one from Neymar and one from Messi, uh, a 95th minute winner, no less. It was amazing. Uh, PSG going two goals up to find themselves 3-2 down and then upstep Mbappe and, and Messi to turn things around the last sort of 15 minutes. It was an un, unreal game to be at. I think it's the best game I've ever attended as a neutral. It was a... Uh, hard, hard to beat that, but... Was- Great Absolutely. game. No mention for Jonathan David. He's a He's real sore air hero. <laughs> well, yeah, Lille were really good going forward. I mean, like they they came out straight off the bat as well. Like the first five minutes had a really decent looking attack. Um, and I think they just kind of set the tone for the afternoon with within that first sort of five minutes. It was like, you know, Lille are not going to sit back here and try and soak up pressure. They're going to come at it. And they did. And I think what might have been there. Their second goal, if I remember rightly, no, the second goal um, was a penalty. The third goal, uh, incredible through ball from Gomez, great finish. And uh, at that point in the game, it was like, wow, what a goal. We've just witnessed a great goal. Didn't really know what was going to come after it. And uh, yeah, that, you know, the messy free kick, just icing on the cake in the 95th minute, right in front of where we were sat as well. Got my phone out for that. Don't often get my phone out of football, but. You know, Lionel Messi taking a free kick right in front of you. It's probably the only time I'm ever going to see him live. And it was, yeah, big opportunity for me to go watch him. And like I said, I don't think that game could have gone any better, especially for a neutral. Um, but a PSG win and seeing all of the legends hit the back of the net. And as well as some some so rare legends, like you said, Jonathan David, Jonathan Bamba. It was, uh, it was amazing. A great day, great weekend. And uh, if anyone that I was out there with on the weekend is listening. Thanks uh, because everyone was, was spot on. We had a great weekend, uh, rubbed shoulders with uh, some of the greats of the Soria community from around the world and uh, can't wait to do it again. I'm just like buzzing these sort of Soria meetups happening more and more. And yeah, I'm all for it. I think um, it's bringing the community together. Yeah. could I have nothing bad to say about the weekend apart from my legs are still aching from it, but you know, no pain, no gain, as they say. That's it, man. Sounds like a great time as well. And I say, what a game. You know, that's, that's one of the great things about football. Somebody messaged me after the Celtic game uh, might be in the chat or something saying, like, Quinny, every game you go to, you end up, like, doing really well with your cards at it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's sorry that, you know, I, I joke about it sometimes on stream, but, like, they do own the internet now. They must own football now at this stage as well. So, like, if you go to football with so rare cards, you're going to see a good time probably. You know, it's just magic. It's in the air now, you know. Yeah, yeah, it definitely gives it another another level, in it? I think I've mentioned it on here before. It's like the vinegar on the chips. And you've got a little so rare activity going on in the, uh, in the midst of the game. 
But yeah, it was fantastic. Um, moving swiftly on anyway, because another thing that someone said in the chat, we have K-Sorare in the chat. Hey. Big Korean uh, SoRare user. Excited for the return of K-League. Uh, last weekend, we had the return of the J-League. We've got the return of the MLS as well. This weekend, Quinny, you must be buzzing. Uh, off air, you said to me that this is it. Your first week back with all your cards fully in effect. Um, how has your squad building started? Because mine has been a headache, but uh, I, want, I wanted to know how you've been getting on with yours um, and how excited you are for the opening of all, another lump of leagues for us. Well, I think this is the part of the season everyone has so much fun going into lineup builder and going, and we don't even have all those bloody training teams to worry about as well anymore because that would become a problem at this time as well, which mm. is probably quite easily forgotten. But you know, <clears throat> like you say, everything's here now, and like between now and the end of the European season, this is like the eye of the hurricane. We get two of them a year, but this is my favourite one. You're know, the sharp end of the European season and the opening of all these non-European leagues, as it were. Um, so I've had lots of fun with it. I was saying to you before we're coming on camera, it's actually quite a unique game week for me because as much as like everything is available now, Celtic are playing in a cup final at the weekend against Rangers. So this is everything in my gallery without Celtic, you know, which is like a really nice um, kind of like, I, I, would, I would say thought experiment normally, but it's not. I'm actually going to be testing it out in the field, as it were, on this one. So... You know, how strong is FC Barcelona and when you take the hoops out? You know, that's kind of, I want to see how far I get. You know, you know, I, I'm building my teams and I'm looking at them and I won't bore people with names and all that kind of stuff, you know, but I'm trying to work out that balance of or what, what it's really showing and demonstrating to me now in this time is, you know, like how good are the surrounding pieces? You know, can, can they actually become a team as well, which has got a little bit of, football real football around it you know the star players out you know can the rest of the squad come together and still yeah. get the team up the leaderboard kind of thing so i'm gonna have real fun with it from that I'm, my expectations are much lower of course because i've not got that extra push at the top but um i'm very much looking forward to just be able to enjoy so rare without celtic being involved and been able to enjoy celtic without so rare being involved <laughs> for in a very nice way this weekend, you know, um, because the last like month or so they've been very much intertwined, and that's great. But you know, uh, I, I'm I'm quite looking forward to this weekend in, in a different angle. I hear that. Yeah, I, mine's been quite. The headache's been different this time around from previous seasons. Normally, I'm really excited for the new leagues to be opening because it, you know, this time last year it was like, oh, I can play Asia now. Oh, I can play America now, and now we've got all these cap modes, and it's like, do I play cap modes? Or do I go and play the regions? And I think the big thing for me has been prize pools. I think uh, the Asia and America prize pools for me still look a little bit uh, on are a bit skinnier than I expect them to be. I thought they were going to be a bit more, bit bigger. Um, and I think that that's put me off a little bit on entering maybe America. Um, I do have an Asia rare pro team, and I think but that was more mostly down to the fact that I had quite a few cards I could just sl slot in. And a few of them, I'm not sure if they're going to start the first game. So it's like a bit of a punty Asia Rare Pro. But if all the players start, it actually is a very good Asia Rare Pro team, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I'm very Asia Rare Pro, but, you know, I don't know. Sorry to interrupt you there, buddy, yeah. but 192 entrants, 28 cards. That's not bad going, man. You know, like... The problem with Asia, the prize pools, obviously, we've not got new season cards yet. So this is like the yeah. dregs of last season. So you're going to lose XP at some point on them uh, or the, the season kicker. 
But um, but yeah, I, I, they are Skinner. But I actually think the headcount isn't too bad because, see, for people like me and maybe a lot of people listening to this, Asian cards and American cards or fillers or value pieces probably now to attack the top end of 270 a bit harder to make sure you get the, ta- the cap 240 threshold, you know, or, mm. you know, you're under 23 goalkeepers come in now or you're super rare midfielder or something, you know. So I think maybe some of these regions, it may actually be like not that bad, you know, in that sense. Yeah, yeah. I think the team I've got sort of penciled in at the moment could do it. But I think I just worry about a couple of rotation risks, maybe at Ulsan. Um, I think I may be going off the end of last season, but uh, I've got Seo Yong Wu, who is like a great fullback at Ulsan, but found himself rotated out a little bit towards the end of last season. Maybe some of the uh, Korean users who are in the chat can let me know if uh, if he's going to start or not. It's always nice when you're on a live stream. But um, sure. yeah, I mean, I'm really intrigued. Obviously, I've got quite a lot of FC Saul cards. They have made a lot of signings and lost a lot of big players as well to the military. So they're going to be interesting to see how they turn up first game. Um, there's a lot of talk of Osmar being moved into midfield. Be interesting to see what that does for his scores, whether, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for him. Um, I think a lot of his scores last season were, were made with a lot of sideways passing. You'd expect him to be in the mix a lot more. So I think the thing with midfielders who are like a little bit further up the field, I don't have Osmar down as like a, a creative midfielder. He's more of a a box-to-box slash defensive mid, right? So he's going to be he's going to be tested in a lot more duels. And, you know, if he yep. can come out on the right side of those duels, it'll be much better for his scoring. But if he can't, you know, if he struggles with the tackles and duels, his defensive actions are going to uh, maybe be, you know, he's passing. He's not going to receive the ball as much as he used to playing the ball around the back at Saul. So going to be really yep. intrigued to see them. I would definitely be watching Saul this weekend. Um I've got Brenner. Um, he's apparently back in training at Cincinnati. Uh, I've got his super rare this season, which I'm hoping will be really useful. Um, he might, you know, he might push for a move in the summer when the European divisions close. But I'm hoping to get some utility out of that card. Um, yeah, all round, pretty excited. Um, Going to be definitely excited to see Daegu again. I think they should be better this season. But um, yeah, at the moment. I'm I'm struggling a little bit with like who to put where. There's so many options. Um, I think I've got about 20 teams kind of like penciled for this weekend, which is insane. You know, some of them are borderline training teams that I'm just going to put into things and see what happens. But definitely got some good looking teams. But as I was saying to you off air, tonight, the European midweek, a uh, lot of Europa League fixtures tonight that are going to impact you know, rotation for the weekend and maybe make me feel a little bit less confident. Um, that was the problem last weekend as well. And like I was saying, when we were at the PSG game, a lot of the lads were looking at their phones, like refreshing, we're in good positions in the league. And I was like, my my teams were done already by Sunday. Like rotation into the midweek had already put me out. Um, so I'm kind of expecting a bit more of that again, which... I really hope I don't have to face too much of it. But, you know, it's mostly Salzburg and Ajax. Um, but I think my Ajax players are pretty nailed. I think Taylor and Wrench are my main two. And those two don't lose out to rotation too much. But in Salzburg, you know, it's Sucic, it's Fernando, it's Pavlovic. 
Pavlovic is suspended tonight, so he won't be playing. So I expect him to start. But I think they've got so many Based. forward options and attacking mids at the moment that Fernando, Sukic, Sesko, these guys are all massive rotation risks for the, for the weekend ahead. So it's a shame because when they hit, they hit big. But I just can't be sure of who is starting for Salzburg at the moment with so many old... Uh, Scooney in the chat is saying Fernando's injured as well. I did wonder because at the moment his uh, sort of community projection says a lot of people have him down as out, but um, a lot of the sort of press that I read has him in the team tonight. So we'll see. We'll see. But I, I don't know where a lot of the... I haven't seen anything online apart from, you know, like your play sharper and the sort of so rare data community. But... I've, I've actually gone against those a few times on the weekends recently and got it right. I think like I've got a few players that are always like, oh, he's out, he's out. Um, Scooney's saying that the manager has confirmed that he won't play. So that's different. If that is the case, uh, then yeah, straight away that, that is going to require me to make a change in my U23 lineup. But yeah, exciting times. Very exciting times. Are there any teams you're particularly looking forward to watching this season, Quinny? Well, New York City open up MLS this week, and I've got a full MLS. Uh, I beg my pardon. I've got a full NYC team, one to five, going into Cap Two Forty Rare with my Magno. I've got their all jersey number stash. It's a beautiful team. Really nice. look forward to posting it. Be a good one. Um, I'm not expecting a great game against Nashville, but it's kind of what we're talking about there. It's like the decisions to make them now. So, like for example, I don't think NYC are going to have a great game, particularly right. But mm. that team can all fit in at 240 pretty well and it should score 250 points regardless really of the result as long as like they don't concede free and get a red card or something like that between the squad. Um, because like there's, if you look at the actual fixture list in Europe as well, it's not really, there's not that many power fixtures going around, mm. partly because of the midweek action for some of the teams and the rotation that comes thereafter, but also just the actual quality of the fixtures like I don't think there's easy games in Italy really for any of the big teams off the top of my head. I know Bayern Munich have got a tough game. I know, um, would you cry? I, th I think, yeah, there's not that many easy games anywhere over the weekend in Europe. And I know that some of the Asian stuff, there is like a little bit of first game of the season. You never know what the manager's going to do. Some of the managers are a bit wacky and unpredictable. But um, they are fresh in the season. And some of those dominant players, even the ones that can get you a good solid 70, yeah, you know I mean, like this could be a weekend where there's not much of that going around in Europe, you know, because of rotation, difficult fixtures, bookings and goals conceded mm -hmm. and substitutions at the 55th minute and uh, all that kind of thing. So I think if you've got uh, if you've got one team, so you were talking about deleting teams earlier, right? And whenever I find myself in that decision making process of like, what's the best thing to do? Is you've just really got to find your best five, no matter what the colour is, and then it's just trying to squeeze it in now mm. to the best division possible. And that becomes a bit of a different squeeze than before. Before you were trying to adjust on headcount, reward pool, and how strong I think this team is. Whereas now you can quite firmly measure it, not only against all that, but a cap system as well. And yeah. when, like the NYC team, for example, when I just laid that out, it's like, bang on the cap, basically. When I laid that out, I'm like, okay, well, that feels pretty good. I've also got a cap 220 team going out that's bang on cap, and it is just, like, loose ends at the bottom, which is very convenient that they all just fit together that way. But even at the top end of my gallery and the top end of everyone's gallery, I would recommend at least try it and have a look at it. Not may not necessarily be the team you deploy, but who is the goalkeeper 
with the most likely outcome of being a clean sheet or something positive. Doesn't matter who they play for, home or away, division, what day of the week, doesn't matter. Except defence, who's very much likely to keep a clean sheet? Are they decisive, capable? Whatever the kind of checklists are. Again, we're thinking about getting to 75-ish points. With That's mm. kind of what we're thinking about. Who's got the best makeup for that? Then you take that into midfield and up front. And then you'll be left with a team and it's like, it's going to be all different shapes and sizes probably. And you're like, oh, well, that guy's meant to be with him. And I've not got that guy over here. And you can talk yourself back from it. But if you do end up with that team and then you're like, oh, do you know what? That's a cap of 265. Then yeah. I bet you it's going to be a great 270 entry if that's what, you know. And then if it is like, oh, it's 285, then do you know what? All-star, you know what I mean? Because that's probably a stronger team in all-star than what anyone else is going to play because most yeah. people will look at that, take their 285, throw 15 in the bin with a swap and then play it and compromise. Oh, well, now I've got my defender with my goalkeeper that I wanted yeah. or whatever. I'm the worst for that. I, I really struggle to split a, like a defensive pairing. Like, even if it looks like it makes sense on paper, uh, yeah. I find that difficult to go... Oh, well, you know, like, and I think that's part of the reason why I do have a reasonably strong Asia pro because I have Osan goalkeeper and um, Seo Yongwu. And it's like, if I put them both in the team together and they keep a clean sheet, then, you know, there's that extra bonus point. It's, it's hard to split players up like that because it is so tempting to just lump them together because of, you know, that potential, especially defensively, that potential clean sheet. Is like, yeah, the, the, the goalie's got a decisive and the, the defenders, you know, saved his 12 points better for not conceding a goal than they would be if they let one in. So it's, um, yeah, I get, I think, it, I think it's good advice as well. See what your strongest lineup is and figure out where that fits. Um, I think we're saying the other week how, like, I would usually go on to like So Red Data, I'd go into All Star Rare and I'd hit like that kind of like make a lineup and see what it puts in. And then from yeah. that, you can kind of see, right, well, three of those are U23 or three of them are challenger. Therefore, like, what do I have? And then I might look and see, like, what what's my best forward option? Or I think that's a thing. Like spin the team off from there. That's, that's I really yeah. like that approach as well. Yeah, trying to do it that way rather than doing the, the, old, the old route, which I always used to go, was like, right, well, it's definitely going to be U23 Pro, uh, D2, and then Rare. And then I see what I've got left after that. But... I think U23 scores have been massive as well, right? So it, it, I'm less inclined to like lean straight into U23 unless my goalkeeper usually has a good fixture or I've got a good forward. Because I think, you know, at the moment I've got like the option of maybe two goalkeepers in, in D2. Uh, and, and one of those is Tani, who, you know, may or may not start again this weekend. We'll see. Um, their manager come out and kind of didn't fill me with confidence because it was like obviously barrage with questions no. about Higashiguchi. Oh, you know, why isn't he playing? And I, you know, it, it's the culture, isn't it? Of like, you know, having a respect for the club legend that Higashiguchi is, and we'd expect him to be phased out this season. Um, so I think we were all a bit surprised when we saw Tani starting. I actually was surprised enough that I went at straight into the market and bought a super rare because, as you know, we've been trying to get the super rare. Um, we've we've got uh, some some J League fans in the chat saying he will play. He looked very good last game. Uh, yeah, the bits that I saw, he did look really good as well. And I just think, you know, it's maybe, maybe it's like PTSD from holding uh, Japanese goalkeepers in a similar situation in recent years that they can just, you know, can go on a great streak and then 
miss a game and then you don't see him for six matches or it probably hope, will happen mate I think it's I unavoidable it, yeah I, I think it's going to happen but I just hope it's not like but he's a guy who could leave in the summer Tani that might yeah. even happen he plays now until the summer he's in the shop window they sell him to Celtic for 15 million and then they play Higashi Gucci again and yeah. who cares I, this is what I'm after that like a move to Belgium or potentially yeah maybe even a Celtic move they're definitely in the market for a goalkeeper, right? So, uh, Tani might be might be a good shout for them. Um, but yeah, I could see him, you know, even like a Centroiden or like a uh, Union or something like that would take a Tani, yeah, you know. For they've sure. They've got loads of links to Japan. Um, but yeah, I, I'm using him in, in at the moment. That team that Tanaka went to, that team that Tanaka went to wanted him. And he said he didn't want to go to D2. Yeah, so if they got promoted, they might go for him again because they did try and they said, no, I have no one you're in D2. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot of J-League fans in the chat. People talking about Sergino being great last weekend. Everyone knows I'm a Sergino fan. I nearly bought back the Super Rare that I sold over the summer when I saw him start again because he, for me, is a massively undervalued goalkeeper on the platform. And, you know, it's easy to look at his age and, and he's, you know, his, his grey hair and think this guy's done. He is not done. He's far from done. For me, he's one of the best goalkeepers I watched in J-League last season. And uh, yeah, he is old. What is he, 37, 38? But he's he's definitely got a few more seasons in him. And people are saying, yeah, top three J-League goalkeeper. Um, yeah, I think I got sp- I kind of got spoken into selling him when they re-signed the, 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 the other goalkeeper. And I sold him low. His super rare was going for double what I sold it for. But still, for me, cheap. Um, he keeps a lot of clean sheets, so makes a lot of saves. Um, and yeah, I think, I think he put up like an 80 last weekend. So obviously, like, you know, he dealt with a lot of huge, a lot of saves. Um, but yeah, I do hold a, I did buy a limited before the season, before the season started, just because there was those whispers that he's going to get back in. And I thought, if I don't have some kind of Sergino action, it will just feel weird. Like, uh, he, he's a bit of a club legend at Club Tropicana Drinks FC. So I had to get him back in, back in the mix. He's in there with the limiteds. Um, but yeah, it was good to see him back. I actually had another uh, little bit of a touch with the J-League starting last week, which I didn't even notice until putting my lineups together this week and saw that one of my goalies played. But um, I picked up Kengo Nagai, who went down with Shimizu Espulse, um, and he moved to, uh, I think it's Kyoto Sanga. Um, oh. No, no, Yokohama. He came up okay. with Yokohama, I think it was, and it wasn't expected to play. And he started because I think that they, I think they got a German goalkeeper or a Danish goalkeeper there, um, and apparently he wasn't fully fit. So I'm not, I'm not expecting to see him again this weekend. But nice to see a goalkeeper, a, a super I paid fifty quid for, starting in the J League. Uh, at least tells you that he's, you know, he's there or thereabouts. Um, for sure, they didn't start great. But uh, yeah, whether or not we'll see him this week, apparently um, their number one goalkeeper from last season is back in full training. So we'll we'll see what happens the weekend. But um, but yeah, it's been a been an eye opener that first week in the J League. I think like <clears throat> the J League, it'll, and and for K League and any of the other divisions, the Americas that are opening up, I always like to see the first sort of three or four games to get an idea of like what the starting eleven might be. Um. Yep. Yeah, it's yeah. But I, as well, I, the thing with K League that you you've um, exploited to great effect in in, in last season, Sish, 
is that the K League, the under twenty three rules and the substitutions mm. that get made and all that kind of thing is there is that you know there is so much chaos in these squads, man. Like you think you get a handle on it. Like I've I've been very detached from J and K over last season, and I've only got two K League cards for this year so far. No J League, um, but like it does always seem that there's always people that maybe in three or four squads, no one's got any idea why they're not playing, you know, and then. Yeah. Like the, and especially the way the K League works as well. Again, from a distance, you know, in terms of the under twenty three eligibility requirements for them to be in the squad or whatever. Um, that's probably one of the most interesting ones because if you can snap on one of those under twenty threes, it's getting the 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 cheat code minutes or whatever. Mm. Then those guys can be really useful when Europe goes away. So, um, I think that yeah, that's pretty much the only. Uh, and because of all that kind of juggling around, like I think it makes sense to take a team or take two teams and hybrid them together somehow a defence and a and an attack and then take a pick on midfield. Um, so I think, like, when I did J-League, I had a wee bit of Kawasaki, but I liked Antlers and I had a good bit of... I had Kashiwa. I basically had, like, three little teams or whatever. And it's the same kind of across Europe. I only spread it across a couple of teams. Mm. But I think then you can manage the rotations better and kind of mitigate any of that. Because, again, people kind of know, like, oh, the guy's not playing. They don't understand why, but they kind of know he's not going to yeah, play this weekend. It's not that... It's not always a huge surprise, if that makes sense. So you can forecast and predict. And like like I say, when you've got weekends like the now where all the big power stacks, Bayerns and PSGs and Man Cities now and whoever else, they've all played midweek. They've all got funny fixtures at the weekend. There's all sorts of dynamics and dramas going on there. Whereas over in Japan and Korea, they're just starting their season out and everyone's fully fit and raring to go and it's a whole new season and anything's possible and let's go score a hat-trick today and, you know. And <laughs> they've had and, a nice um, break. So good fun, man. Yeah, they stopped just before the World Cup, so they've had a good lengthy break. Um, yep. And, yeah, I, I, to speak to what you were just saying as well about having, like, maybe a couple of teams and, you know, hybrid those together as a defence and attack, that's definitely... The most sensible option but another thing i love about that is it gives you the opportunity to like focus on like following just a couple of teams and like you said watching them the beauty of j and k league is k league pretty much every game is free to watch on their website if you're in the uk at least and i think most parts of the world outside of korea so having a k league uh, couple of teams that you follow is great because it gives you an excuse to watch even more football on a weekend and annoy your misses and everything else that comes with the fun of that. But also, we get that with the J-League as well. They are streaming quite a lot of their fixtures this season for free on YouTube. So um, nice. the season opener um, was live on YouTube. We got to watch uh, Frontale against uh, against F Marinos. And, and, you know, you, get the, you, you also get, if you are English, you get English um, commentary with that as well. So it, I, I love that. I like I like watching any um, you know live football anyway. But if you've got maybe a, a couple of teams that you follow in those leagues, you're going to be able to watch like 80 percent of their games, um, which is amazing. And time wise, the time difference in the UK, you know, you're watching that at, bre- at breakfast time, like ten eleven in the morning, with a cup of coffee and a sandwich or something. It's like perfect. A lot of people were buzzing when we had the World Cup in Qatar getting up at 10 in the morning and you've got like world-class football to watch. It was a treat. So I've been saying to loads of people, I'm like, if you think, if you enjoyed that, get yourself a little uh, Asia stack and uh, be be prepared to enjoy Saturday mornings a, a little bit more. 
I am a bit gutted that there's going to be less midweek fixtures. I know K-League um, announced there are going to be quite a few less midweek fixtures this season. And I having a little brief look at J-League, that is the case as well. So it's, um, yeah, that's a bit, a little bit gutting. But yeah, I'm sure, uh, you know, with a couple of weeks where games are postponed or whatever for weather and stuff, we'll find some of those fixtures later on in the season pushed into the midweeks. And we'll get some of those like blissful Wednesday mornings watching a, uh, watching Eduardo start on the bench as per usual for uh, F Marinos and scratching my head wondering why I put him in a lineup again. Um, shout out anyone who, who owns him. Eduardo can probably vouch for that. That is a, uh, that is J league well and truly back in full effect when uh, Eduardo is starting on the bench. You know what time it is. Uh, Shaq, uh, we got Chani in the chat as well. Big up Chani. Um, Chani we got Barry. a lot of, we got, I think that we on this podcast actually, we have like the sort of K and J League effect. I'm just talking about getting up, watching a bit of football. We always seem to have a really heavy Asia contingent in our live stream. So I'm, I'm assuming we are like breakfast material out there or, <laughs> yeah. maybe, or maybe dinner. I'm not sure what time it is, <laughs> uh, but we, I definitely feel like we've got uh, that kind of, uh, we, we add that kind of value to someone's uh, time at some point in the day. Uh, we definitely always seem to have quite a lot of Asia players in here. I was ten thirty at night. I was we're we're like the Jimmy Kimmel live kind of a segment. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, a lot of lot of deliberating going on for the weekend. A lot of excitement, and I'm sure uh, my eyes will firmly be on who, if any, do we have any U23 goalkeepers we need to be looking at. Um, like I said I picked up Tanny. You have that instant regret where you're like. Yes, and then you buy it, and then you're like, "Oh, have I just overpaid for that?" And then someone actually made me an offer while I was in Paris for like an ETH over what I paid for it, which I would have probably accepted. Um, but now people are listening quite low because I guess they're worried about rotation. It is scary, but um, at least I got him for less than I was offering other goalkeepers that are a bit more nailed. So hoping he comes good. Sure. Fingers crossed. Italian's a, Italian's a great one to have. Yeah, I'd agree. But it will come. He will get dropped. He will not play every it's game. Gonna it's going to happen. I just hope it happens with a bit of warning. If I can figure out the games he's not going to play, I'm not so worried about that. Because I do yeah. think he'll be in and out. Like you said, he's not going to be on every game. But it would be nice if we get some kind of indicator or an idea that he might not play a certain weekend ahead of the game week close. And I don't mind holding on to a player like that, that I know when to drop them out of the teams and when not to. But that's the big that's the big problem I have with um with Asia is not you don't get quite as much information from the press conferences. So I rely heavily on the community um and those sort of like pay, Patreon type services like um you know Surrey Japan. The yeah, the heroes. Um there's lots of good ones out there. Um we should definitely like I was going to say there, I'm pretty sure I've seen somebody tell me somewhere that the manager said post-match, see all that Higashiguchi chat they were getting, he said something to the tune of, like, I played Tani because he's better at catching balls out there, or he was better at something. can't remember what it was, but, you know, I think that's definitely a, a shred of intel that we, we firmly remember and add yeah. in, and let's see what he says next week, you know, and try and build the picture. I'm playing them in a team with three guys that have played midweek, so it's just like, it's another 23 team. And it's got Cassianos up front and Tani and three rotation risks. And that's kind of the level I'm at with them until like we do 
get enough of these little shreds and you can work out he's always going to play at home against a crap team or he's going to play yeah. in the big matches or whatever. I think the thing with goalkeepers as well is like he's probably getting pitched these um, questions from people who are wondering like, you know, how are you going to deal with club legend being kind of phased out? And he has to say something back to that, right? As a manager, he has to say something that doesn't write him out of playing any games. So even though he said that, and he's like, you know, like he had to give reason for picking Tani for the first game, but also like, surely you don't want to rotate your goalkeeper too much, like as any manager. So I, I'm I'm kind of hopeful that he said what he said because he wanted to let people know that look, this goalkeeper will play this season. But I thought Tani was the best pick for this game, and he may well be the better pick for the next game and he may well be the better pick for the game after that as well but it might be that like Higashiguchi comes in against maybe some some of the weaker opposition cup games will almost certainly play um, and I'm hoping that's what he meant by that you know if like I've got my kind of hopeful hat on um, I'd love it to be a, I'd love Higashiguchi to be the cup goalkeeper and that's what happened that'd be brilliant <laughs> Yeah, that would be, as an owner of Tani, it would be exactly what we want, right? Oh, that'd be great, man. That would be great. That would be great. Um, so, yeah, getting back onto your end product, something that I saw on your Twitter, Quinny, was your deliberations. You managed to bag uh, a player that I'm quite fond of. He's been in my watch lists for a while. And you picked up a super rare in your rewards this week. Do you want to talk us through a little bit about this player, and where your head's at on whether you keep him, move him on. Uh, what's your current kind of deliberation on on that reward and let the people know who it was as well? So it was a tier one super rare and it was a Carlo Holsa of Rosenberg. I'd never heard of the guy before, but I recognised, kind of, I knew he was the other guy that was good with Tengstead, but I didn't know his name, uh, kind of thing. Worth a few quid, sold recently for a few quid as well. Great scores. Like I said to you as a joke, like he looks like Norwegian Cecenia. Like that's what his scores yeah. look like, you know. Um, wee bit of an injury, not really much intel around it, but he doesn't play football, best case scenario, until the tenth of April, which is oh. like six weeks away, you know. So like you know, it's not really the injury thing or even the status. I think it's a quality I think in like a month this would be a star reward. Like I looked at the guy that finished second got the rookie that plays for PSG, Zayar Emery, or whatever his name is. It is a rookie card, so that's quite nice, right? And then number one got Mohamed Kudus. I think, and again, I'll say this, I've seen this to you, Stish, but like, I think my reward's probably the best one in the podium, really, in reality. Like, if I got Kudus for first, I would probably be disappointed with that. I would have took Kudus for second, no problem. Yeah. But I think that Zaire guy for finishing second, I would be disappointed with that. As a star, both of them are meant to be star category, and this is yeah. meant to be a tier one. And I think that guy, like, I think that guy is a star. And I think I'd rather have that guy. Kudus is probably a coin toss. You'd probably, as long as this guy's fit, you know, if this guy's fit, undoubtedly, and he's going to play all season at Rosenberg, you would take this guy. But if there's any, if none of that, you'd take Kudus, I think. Yeah. But um, yeah, so overall, that. I'm quite happy with it. But a lot of people, Stishy Boys, maybe why you're asking me, because of the tweet, but a lot of people messaged me saying, you should swap that. Have you thought about swapping it? Are you going to swap it? You know, like I just got tons of those messages and I thought it didn't really cross my mind because, you know, like anyway, for different reasons. So I put that out to the people and 78%, I think, or so said, or maybe 72 said, keep it. Hmm. I was always going to keep it anyway, but I was just curious. I think as well, a lot of people that maybe swap, uh, maybe think week to week. And it's like, 
If you swap that now, you're going to get a player who's currently in half-decent form of roughly the same the, value, right? The best player in the pool uh, was Son Heung-min. So that's probably the best thing I could hope for. Yeah, I mean, that would have been a gr- Yeah, that would have been pretty cool, actually. That's the best I could hope for, really. Uh, an informed Son Heung-min has got to be one of the best. I'm assuming he's a forward card and not a midfield. Is a forward card, yeah. Yeah, that. Sorry, like, I said to me, we'll give you son for it. I'd say aye, but I, I think I need to submit a ticket, and they say, okay, we'll swap it, and then they swap it. I think you know. I think yeah, I, like Hulse. The one worry I do have of Hulse is they've moved Tengstet on, and Hulse plays. He, he's a forward card though, isn't he? I think, but he plays like a centre mid. If I'm not mistaken, he's like an attacking yeah. mid. So you know, he had Tengstet playing in front of him. Uh, he was kind of like the ten. Um, so it, do, it takes does, all the corners, but this guy takes all the corners and free kicks. I always love that, especially a forward card that's on set pieces. A forward card, who's going to be again the the, the Soria Viking and the Norwegians that come to match at are telling me that it's very likely that Hulse is going to be a mid mid card this year. Right, so, so you might. This guy's got a bit of under twenty three forward utility. He's got three months here left mm. if he comes back in April. You know, so under twenty three forwards with eight ace dishes. You know, never mind a super rare one. And they could easily take a, a decent move to another challenger club and find themselves right in the mix there. Danish, so you kind of hope he goes to like Copenhagen or something, you know, um, right, yeah. or like a top Dutch team or something. You really doesn't. I really hope he wouldn't go to like a uh, like a prem team or championship team yeah, or yeah. something like that. Like, um, I'm not really particularly worried about the transfers. I don't think the Norwegian league Tengstead. I think is the Tengstead, and then because recently as well, people will remember. What was the guy's name? Bodo Glimt had two guys that left for big money, and I don't think either of them have worked out yet. I think one was called, I want to say Patrick Berg, and one of them went to Roma. I don't think he usually had a chance to not turn out yet. I can't remember his name, but... So I don't think that... And obviously, Tengstead's went to Benfica and not kicked a ball yet. So I don't think the Norwegian league is that plundered, you know, where if this guy starts the season off hot, he's going to be in the summer window. I think this guy would probably be at Rosenberg for this... The Danish season maybe is a January some because the, the way their season ends is maybe a January transfer next year. I know very little about him. I'm kind of making all this up as I'm going along, but that's my interpretation of Norwegian kind of like scouts and all that kind of you know. Good opportunity to your eyes on him in a couple of months when they start and kind of figure out what he's doing. He's 23. He's not 18. You know, if he was 18 doing this stuff, maybe a bit different. You know, but he's 23 going on 24, so like it's a bit different. Yeah, someone in the chat we got a uh, first time chat. From FIFA royalty says monster card. Wait, honestly, if he doesn't fit your gallery, I'd wait a bit longer to sell. So, uh, oh yeah, I, I, I got no problem it. playing him. Oh. I've got no problem waiting, but uh, oh, the waiting's the, the part because I would love to play him the now because I could really use him. Um, and and then yeah, it is like mm, I will then have a dilemma come the summer because like I wasn't really planning on playing rare pro. He probably would be a firm rare pro player for me, you know. Because uh, I don't have a non-EU super rare goalkeeper, so it, it is a little bit of you know like appropriation. Like, where would I actually play him? Would I actually do I have a team that would facilitate it? Maybe I do. I don't know. So, um, I'd be quite open to keeping him. I'd be quite open to waiting until the summer. And he is like Norwegian Cecilia and selling him then, of course, as well. I think that was a suggestion as well um, from FIFA Royalty, basically. So yeah, I'm kind of. I'm, I'm not upset with it. You know, seeing I was putting the tweet out like, oh, would you swap it? I was even thinking about swapping it. I was just getting people saying to me. 
And I thought, you know what, maybe this is some, maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I should be swapping this because he doesn't play until April. This is the best card I've ever won on paper. And I've won it at the end of February. He doesn't play until maybe the beginning of April if he's fit, you know. So maybe I'm stupid. That's what I was thinking. Maybe I'm just being too nice and just enjoying the card for what its potential yeah. is because I see the numbers. So it was more of me it. just kind of putting it out, you know. I won a Jonathan Panzo the other week and I knew that when I opened that, that he had, like, we don't know how long he's going to be out for. We're expecting it to be like, you know, he should be back in the next couple of games. But, you know, at the time I won that, under what the sort of new swap rules are, if you like, he would have been eligible for a swap. But I like him as a player. He's He's got a lot of utility as a U23. You know, if you can be patient and, you know, even if he sits out for like six weeks or something, that Jonathan Panzo is probably a better card next season than anything else I'll win for the rest of the season unless I start hitting some of those, um, you know, top tiers. So I think like Panzo, if you don't, if you've got the options to like sit on it for a bit is, is actually like, you're better off just holding on to it than like swapping in for someone else who might have like have a decent L5. But yeah, it's uh, another thing with Panzo as well is, uh, you know, he's, he's got a uh, international pedigree at uh, like schoolboy level and he's like, like yeah, he's, he, he's an under 19s winner and it's like, he will not be in that Coventry side forever. He will move when he's ready hopefully like take a step up into the Premier League. And is he owned by Coventry or is he still owned at Monaco? Um, that is a very good question. I don't know the answer to it. Let me get transfer marked up. Um, I'm not sure. I can't remember his situation, but he got cards because he was owned by Monaco, loaned to Belgium twice, I think. And he, yes. I think he maybe got a few Monaco issues at some point now that Monaco are here. Um yeah, he is on loan. So, yeah, it was just me who said that there. He is on loan. There you go. So he's not going to be hanging about the chat. You know, he's not going to be hanging about Coventry and Rotherham and these teams. So, you know, he's got... so he con- he transferred to Nottingham no Forest. So he's on Forest books. <laughs> oh, is it? Not quite Monaco, but <laughs> but you know, Forest have got a lot of players. You'd imagine he gets loaned out maybe again. The He'll get relegated of... in Forest. Play yeah, for Forest I mean, next year. I would take another Championship season out of him. Um, seeing the scores he's putting up in the Championship. Yeah, would why wouldn't they take him if they have to sell all their big money players that they bought in for 12 months? I see. I think that's the thing as well with the U23s. is U23-D2 is actually quite a good U23. Um, if you've got good... In some of the U23s, I've got some of my best scoring U23s are D2 players. They are, you know, like if I think off the top of my head, Formos Mendy at Amiens and uh, yep. who's that other one? Um, Kylian Kaibue at Bastia who puts up monster scores. He ages out in the summer, but... If you've got a really good U23 who plays in D2, it doesn't matter that they play in D2. You use them in U23 and they're as good as anyone playing in the top divisions. They might not be quite as valuable as them, but in terms of like their scoring output, it doesn't matter where they're playing, right? If they're of a certain level, you almost want them in D2 because they're going to be playing against worse forwards, worse players, worse defences. And um, yeah, like, so that's the thing. I got that. I was buzzing when I got that reward, even though I knew... He is probably going to be out for a bit, but hopefully he's not going to be out for much longer. All of the kind of communication is a little bit like indecisive, but you know, there's no like, oh, he's out for having, he's not, he's off to have surgery or we're not going to see him until next season or there's nothing like that. It's like, you know, he's almost ready. So I'm assuming it means he's back in training. Um, So yeah, I'm hoping it's only another few games. I won't be putting him in any lineups until I've seen him hit a 90 minutes, but that is the beauty of having 
a bit of depth in the gallery, really. If you haven't got depth, then you might have been a bit more like, you might want to swap, you know, and I think that's something sometimes we forget as people who have quite a large gallery. Like maybe a swap isn't as, you know, is as needed. But if, if you're only hitting a couple of rewards every every few months and the reward you get isn't useful, you would be gutted. So what's your momentum down? Because yeah. rewards compounds when you get into form and then you yeah. get a guy like probably the best card I, I won in this context that we're talking about is James Ward Prowse. Like yeah, over so the last that. month or two, I sold a bunch of rare mids just because they were still good value and I didn't really need them too much just because of what cards otherwise were available at that time. And I was looking, man, I seen Stefano Sensei's back from injury already. And I thought that an injury would be much worse for him. I was like, damn it, man, I could really use a Stefano Sensei type rare mid right now. And then I go and win a James Ward Prowse. And it's like, brilliant. That helps me instantly. Yeah. You know, I might not fancy Southampton to do much or whatever, but a guy like that, you know, you can just throw him in a team and you know he's going to turn up and you know he's got every shot at getting an 80, maybe a yeah. 50, yeah. you know. He's on all the set pieces. He's like, the thing of him as well is if they go down, he should move to a club you'd think that he plays again. Like, not necessarily, unless he goes to like a Chelsea or somewhere where they've got a silly amount of midfielders, but... um Ward Prowse in any kind of like bottom half of the Premier League team is playing every game. He's taking free kicks and he's scoring goals. Um, and, you know, he's on the edge of the international games as well. So if and when we see, you know, those international breaks, he is definitely going to be in and around the England team. If we play in like a, a lesser side, he could find himself playing 90 minutes and he'd almost certainly be on free kicks there as well. So I think he's a useful card. And uh, yeah, I'm assuming you're going to keep hold of that one. Yeah, I think that's a hard one to move on in any scenario. I think like if Southampton get relegated, like you say, he's a club one man club guy at this point. There's every chance he goes down with them and comes back again. And That'd he be- is now at the end of his twenties, so there is every chance that he goes to Leicester or Villa or Newcastle or something like that. And he has his like I'm getting I'm in the bigger team now. I'm going to try and win something part of his career, you know. So and again, if you bring in a Ward Prowse in that scenario. You know he's a set-piece machine. He is the set-piece machine of the team. That's why you buy him. So, like, yeah, it's a really hard one to move on in that sense. It's just a great one to get in. Uh, just yeah. to tie into that whole swaps, adding momentum and value. Because if you built your first team and you won him, straight away he goes into your team and makes you 10% better than last week, you know? Yeah. And 10%, like, last week you won a prize. And now this week you're 10% better. So, like, you should, and I say these things give you momentum and they can, uh, they can compound on one another, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, we watched a bit of Newcastle while we were out in Paris together than the game that they played against Liverpool. Um, obviously, nice. we, we being Man United, have Newcastle in the Carabao Cup final. They're going to be playing their third-choice goalkeeper. Talk of Carrius playing in goal for them, which is nuts. But um, Man United also have Barcelona tonight as we record this. What's your prediction for... Uh, for the game, Quinny. I know what mine is, but I want to hear yours first. What do you reckon is going to happen? Man United, Barcelona. I don't know what the score is going to be. I don't know how it's all going to pan out, but I think Man United are going to go through. Like, I think Man United will get it done. Like, Xavi and Barca are in a really funny spot. They're now, they are good. They're talented. They're fucking tiki taka and they're getting back to all that good stuff. And, you know, they've still got quality players right throughout their best 11. And the starting 11 we'll probably see. But, like, I just think Ten Hag has got that mode they're now where. You've seen Klopp get it, you've seen Guardiola get it, you see every manager get it, where they've just got to that stage where they've been at the club just about long enough where 
everyone at the team has forgotten the last person and everyone yeah. at the team now is in at the moment of this is my boss, this is the formation. They're not worried about the final they lost or the game that they fucked up or all this other stuff that happened with the last boss and this happened and the media said that. Um, and I think when you hear Ten Hag talk, he's got the confidence in that and you really see it in their results and the, the tempo that I think Man United are, are kind of getting at the moment. Point being, I think that is going to be too much for Barca uh, in Old Trafford, basically. I think Man United turning up, I don't think Barca have got enough to, to stop them. Yeah, I've seen that um, Gavi and Pedri are both out as well. So I think that they're going to get overloaded in the midfield. Um, I'm, And also, you know, there's talk that Sabitza and Casemiro, this will be the chance for the two of them to, to play as a kind of double pivot. And I think that is... I'm, I'm excited. I think this is a big game. For us, I'm a bit gutted. I've got to take my son to football training. Like he better turn up like, like Pedri tonight because, because uh, I'm going to be missing <laughs> missing the game. But keeping an eye on him, he'll be uh, he'll be flying some tackles in. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, he better um, turn on the flare. Okay. Yeah, I think um, I'm excited for it. I feel really confident about this game. Um, I love the way we're playing at the minute. Like you said, I think Ten Hogs just like, you know, he's put certain things to bed. Um, the players all seem to be playing for him. Love seeing Sancho back in the team for multiple reasons. Um, Wish I got one when he was cheap, man. He's going to be—he's going yeah. to be phenomenal on SO Five. Like he will be ridiculous. So. Once always, hits- I think even still, like I was just looking at him there before you said his name. I was like, oh, what's Sancho going for now? Yeah, um, yeah. He's only got eight rares. I don't know what anyone else would look at. Let's have a look at the limiteds. Uh, I don't think a limiteds that bad, by the way. Sixty quid—you could probably get an auction. Auction the news about going an hour for fifty-seven. So yeah, sixty quid for a Sancho forward card as well. That's going to be. It's like I don't know if that's even cheap still, but fifty quid for that's brilliant. Forty quid if anyone got any of those. I don't know if they went, but yeah, yeah I, I think Sancho is going to be brilliant, man. Honestly, he's such a good player. See at Dortmund, and again, like I don't think a lot of people that watch Man United watched a lot of Borussia Dortmund. You're probably the exception, especially a few other people that listen to this, of course. But Jaden Sancho at Dortmund, like in full flow. He is like one of the best wingers in European football, was one of the best wingers in European football, you know. He replaced Usman Dembele at Dortmund when they sold him to Barca, you know, like he's proper elite, elite level. And he's not got Haaland at Man United, granted, but he just needs to adjust and develop and the Premier League is a step up for him, you know. And, you know, I think Ten Hag's got it with him, man. Yeah, I'm just looking now, I think uh, Rashford's unique and... Um, in four hours as well. So it'll be interesting to see what that goes oh, Was it today? For. I seen it was up. I didn't know it was yeah. today. Four, almost four hours to on the dot and the end. So be keeping an eye on that as well. I think that's a good indicator of uh, where the market's at. Or at least some people think it is. That's it's a big probably, piece, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's definitely, uh, of the moment, it's probably like the kind of hype player, isn't he, at the minute. And uh, his first unique as well. So like the first ones always go for a bit more, don't they? Because I think like you've got differential when you're the only whale that's got that card. You'd know you sure. don't have to play against it. Uh, so I think that's always the interesting thing for me in the unique uh, market is if you're the if you're the holder of that player's first unique, do you think that makes you more inclined to try and win the second one as well, knowing that you don't have to play against it? At that at that level, I just imagine like if you're a Nanzo or if you're a YNWA or JRG. I thought about it. It must be like if you hold that. I, I did. Like, I, follow, I followed uh, Levitt's unique to see what that next one went for and there was a part of me that was like should i be like trying to pick this up myself because firstly it protects the price that you paid for the first one 
obviously some of these other ones have gone for like ridiculously like amazing ma- amounts of money. You can't just pick another like 200K out of the air to like get the next one. But in the case of like those Levitts and some of those cars that we've picked up, maybe for two, three, ETH, um, there is a part of you that thinks, should I just be picking this up to make sure I'm not playing against? But I think the fact that I don't play D1, it matters a bit less to me because I'm using him in D2. He's probably not, I'm probably not playing against him in there anyway. Like a whale might pick it up and use it in D1 or whatever. But if you are a D1 player and you have to play against the Nando's, the JR Dukes of this world, you must look at all of the ones that you've got the only one of and think, I need to make sure that they don't get that because they know them having that, that they can almost nullify your best piece or whatever. So I think this Rashford card is quite interesting in that sense because it's a it's an elite informed player that unique the first person who gets it will be the only person that has that in D one, and he'll almost certainly be used in like champ in D one. I think you'll see AJ go after it for the uh, correlation. You know, he loves his Bruno and so yeah, true. for that sense as well. It's seen correlation of any cards or whatever they've been picked up already or are soon to be picked up because I thought about that with the McGregor and it was more the angle of should I buy this so that McBride doesn't get it? Or should I buy this so that there's another one or two guys that have some Celtic teams, you know, but it's like, should I get this to make sure they don't have it? Because people have done that to me, but I don't even really have the wallet to fully consider that. But when I seen the unique McGregor come up, like you do think about these things like, Oh, I've got, I had the only one and now there's another one. And then like, yeah, what does yeah. that do? And, uh, price, you know, I don't really care price wise because McGregor's really not on the table um, for anything for anything that's not a silly amount of money, you know. Yeah. Um, so it was just interesting for me more to watch it. And I said I was never going to. I didn't think I'd have the wallet to get the first one, so I definitely didn't think I'd have wallet to get two, you know. So <laughs> I didn't really give it much consideration because again, this might surprise a lot of people that are still listening to the podcast at this late hour. Anyone who's watching this after we've been live, you know. But my my cards, honestly, almost every one of them, I try my best to get cards that I don't think I should be able to get. You know what I mean? Um, That's the main aspiration on card acquisition and like a unique McGregor first season issue is like a holy grail situation, you know, like proper holy grail. Like, um, you know, it would be like if Man United came out last season, you can get a Ronaldo or you can get a Messi goes back to Barca or something like that, you know, like our... Uh, I know we get some some Argentina Messi cards, but anyway, I think everyone knows the point. That's kind of like that is a holy grail because he's a one club man and he's got a captain's armband on in the picture. That's quite a rare thing on so rare yeah, yeah. in general as well. And he's not got it in the second unique, which already I'm happy about, you know. And yeah, you know, whatever, blah blah blah. Unique. No, I get that for the fandom side of things, isn't it? It's like I, I, that's when your collector hat comes out a little bit, isn't it? And I think I'm. I feel that a little bit. I, I've I started following the price of all the United players on So Red Day. I've made myself a little watch list. Um, and I'm trying to figure out, do I get like a, do I get a five-man rare team that I can pit into maybe like champ every week? Or do I go limited and buy like a mini squad of like maybe eight to 10 players? Um, I definitely need to go in. I think I was hoping I'd win a couple but I haven't. I, the kind of like wins I've had in recent weeks have been like those sort of cap two twenty, tier twos, tier threes, uh, a tier a couple of tier ones. I've actually I've got a pretty good strike rate in cap two twenty since it started. Um, but yeah, I think that's how many that, decisives have you needed? Um, that's a good question. Let me have a little look at the ones that have won. Um, it's like I've seen to you earlier, Stash. That's kind of the language I look at these cap modes. That is 
like 240. I've got, I've got that in my mind now quite firmly is five starters, two decisives is what I need for 240, you know. So I'd be really interested to hear you, what your 220 formula is. I'm just trying recipe. to find the quickest way to just see my rewards. How do I um, – is players – no. But how do I go to, like, my rewards? So rare results. Um, so if I go to last week, uh, cap 220 rare, that was a tier three that had no – oh, no, it had one decisive. One decisive okay. in that one. Um, that wasn't a massive week, but the previous week to that was a tier two. I came fourth. Okay, so fourth, um, I hit three, dis no, four decisives. I get four 343 on that, which is quite a big overscore when you think about it. Um, yep, that is no, no, no bonus, no captain. Um, so do you think so that even 300 points is a good point to, like, if you've got a team that can smash a 300? If it's 220, that's quite achievable, by the way. I know the rewards aren't really that great in that division. One tier one, a bunch of tier twos, and then a load of threes. Um, but I think that'll change, man. Because, again, one of the things that we're waiting on, Stash, at the moment is this long... Again, there's something to tell us it's coming. The revamp of the tiers, you know, so... Yeah. yeah I think some of the divisions their rewards might get a wee bit better when that happens, you know. I wonder if they will introduce, like, those DMP, sort of, like, tier five, tier four... Um, yeah, be interesting to see how that pans out. But um, yeah, Cap 220, I've had a pretty decent run. I think I've won something on it every week so far. But but like, yeah, the quality of the rewards isn't quite there with like the Cap 270s, the Cap 240s or like the All-Star. Um, yeah, I think my my fourth place finished, I won Geordie uh, uh, Classy, who plays for uh, AZ. He's like not a bad card, but he's not. You know, he's he's one of those like fifty-one to fifty-five a game, like a good, yeah. a good average scorer. If you need an average scorer, some of it, I think since we've had the cap modes come in, the average score is not enough to win you in the, um, in the regions. But it's also not in it's it's not like, um, what's the word? It's not volatile enough if it's scoring that like it makes it a good cap pick, unless unless it literally is like your final kind of like space that you've got mate someone who's someone's got an average of 55 who's likely to score 50 to 55 is not a great pick for cat modes um but like likewise i think like some people that go on about you know like some of these great picks for cat mode that are like an l15 of five or something like that and you think right that is good if they're going to start and they're going to you know not drop points but also I don't believe that having a player that has like a 70 L15 is a great card for capped because what are the chances of them hitting that one week hitting the 85 or the 90? It's like, unless you're absolutely certain that player is going to score 80, 90. I don't put cards like that in a cap mode, even if I've got space for them, really. Do you? It's Yeah, I don't really. I think once they get over 60, it's just a big green number. It kind of fit yeah. them in you know, um, more than anything, because that's the only value you get with those low L15s is that you can get the big fat one and the guy that's got a stupid one, that you're like, oh, that's a real pain in the ass, you know, that he's L1568 or something for no real yeah. good reason. Maybe only on for a 65 this week or something, um, which isn't that great. You want people to push up, you know, anyway. So I think um, it's more just, uh, yeah, I try not think about the actual number too much once it gets past like 60, 65, because it's just a big handicap and then it's just like you look at it quite quickly and sometimes it's like there's just no way they'll fit and then there's just not even any point thinking about them again as you say they're not any use 
I think that's why I, I made the, the cheats. That like you, those cheat codes on on Cap Two Twenty will be a bit more like you know if they got an L five of like sixty, but their L fifteen is like forty five. You're like that is a that's a massive difference. And in a Cap Two Twenty, you know those extra fifteen points ahead will make will give you a card almost like certainly even just with a decent AA score, like you can get close to that. So maybe that's why I've been having a bit more luck in Cap Two Twenty, whereas like my Two Forty. Um, 270 entries have been a little bit hit and miss because you know you can't afford to slip up on those or like an average you want you want all of those scores to hit something half decent right For but sure. yeah I'm hoping I'm hoping this weekend hopefully not too many DMPs fingers crossed a bit of luck and a bit of end product the weekend um, you got you got Celtic is it a cup game this weekend for Celtic Yes, the final against Rangers at Hamden. That'll be on Sunday, and I'm going to be in the studio on Saturday all day, just uh, you know, working and watching football and all that kind of fun stuff. So it should be good, as I say, having both of them firmly isolated. But I say part of the joy for it, me is, is all MLS. I've got a lot of MLS cards. They're all back in town, you know, and a couple of ones that are in Asia. All of Europe is going, except for uh, Celtic, and I'm missing a goalkeeper because Hibs aren't getting a match, but. I am really looking forward to just getting in with all the Soria cards and not worrying about who scored for Celtic and who's been dropped this week and who's on the bench and all that stuff. I can just wake, wake up on Sunday and it's uh, it's cup final time, you know, just lean into that itself. But end product is very much going to be on um, on the agenda, I think, for at least one of my teams, I hope. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for something. I don't know what it's going to be. I think like everything's up in the air for me until these Thursday results are finished and we see who... Come, come through them clean and not injured and yeah just a little bit of I think I'll be sort of like slotting teams in tonight Thursday evening after the games are finished and then going to be right up to the deadline I'll probably jump on your stream come see you uh, finalising your, uh, your your teams trying to get some of that last minute information out of your uh, your watchers but, um, but yeah I'm, I'm feeling good looking forward to Watching a bit of uh, K League, I'm really looking forward to seeing FC Saul, and hopefully, uh, hopefully a bit of Osmar activity, a bit of Lee Hambon back in the starting lineup, and we'll be all smiles come Monday night with a bit of luck. Um, but yeah, I think it's been great chatting to you as always, mate, and all the everyone in the uh, chat. It's been an absolute pleasure. We've had a, a lot of interaction from the crowd, a lot of new uh, listeners and a lot of people interacting for the first time. So thanks. If you enjoyed it, uh, podcast will be live usually tomorrow morning, courtesy of Quinny, once I've uploaded the uh, recording, usually. So uh, yeah, thanks <laughs> very much for your eyes today uh, and your ears moving ahead from today. And we'll be back again around about the same time next week. So good luck, everyone. Hope you get that end product in. And uh, we will see you on the other side of the weekend. Cheers all. Take care.